everybody you're listening and watching the rude horror podcast i'm your host marcus rude and today's special guest is david black he is a director actor writer producer um <laughs> mr david black how are you doing today david <laughs> g'day i'm doing quite well and yourself marcus oh i'm doing great doing doing just great on this uh Friday evening over here, and it's uh, Saturday afternoon for you, right? Yep, three o'clock in the afternoon. Wow, yeah, that's a, <laughs> kind of a kind of a, a time zone uh, differential, but uh, it's very very cool to have you, man. Um, and I'm excited to to hear what what you have in store for us. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. Well, since we last spoke, the big news is that uh, I'm doing a feature film called. Toxic Alien Zombie Babes from Outer Space. And we're actually doing that in lockdown. Melbourne, our uh, numbers of infected people with coronavirus went through the roof. We were being complimented by the whole world because of how well we were doing. And then everything just went crazy. So we're on fairly extreme lockdowns. Um, I can't go outside with... um, be on the front gate without uh, a face mask on and you're only allowed out to uh, go to work if you can't work remotely to go to the hospital or to get food and supplies uh that's strict lockdown and we're doing a movie in this environment (laughs) wow that that is uh uh if you will insane to me but uh but it's very awesome at the same time that you guys are able to uh to work during during all this this is quite a you know quite quite a a, a very cool thing that you're doing <laughs> well i had to think about it before we started a lot of people said hey we're doing a movie during lockdown and it all came out as just uh your zoom footage and your close-ups well i had uh one video um that was ready to go that uh, gerardo was going to uh, be editing and uh, when the lockdowns happened and we realised uh, that we weren't going to film it, weren't be able to, I said to Gerardo, don't worry about the script, just do it any which way you can. And uh, it was called Clink, Clunk, Clonk. And I, I, my part in it uh, was going to be the same regardless of whether we were in lockdown or not. I, this one was to be narrated, so we didn't have to have a soundy on set. So I had the, uh, the iPhone and I just taped my mouth um, doing the narration. Gerardo went out and filmed it and is very close to the script. Uh, he managed to get himself filmed in it like five times over, right? Oh, wow. I mean, that's just leaving the camera there to film the background and you come in and you've got one of you and you keep filming it until you've got five of you. And it did not look like a film that was done in lockdown at all. And I thought, right, well, there's one idea of how you can get around Zoom footage and uh, close-ups. If I can come up with four more ideas to add to that, 
I think I could script around this and do one in lockdown. And I did. And uh, with the press release, I wouldn't give away the secrets of how we're doing it, uh, simply because we're doing it now. Why tell people now and have a lot of people pinch your ideas and go in competition? I don't care if they do it afterwards. But right. if, yeah, if you pioneer something, you want to be first, you know. So, uh, yeah, we're doing it and we're doing it remotely. So that's actually changed everything because it means that I, instead of being stuck with just Melbourne actors, and I don't mean stuck in a bad way, I love working with everybody. I love being on the sets and you get a high when you come off of the set. But it meant that a lot of people that um, I've known who are actors that are all over the world can suddenly work with me. And uh, Gerardo's giving full instructions of what to do and how to do it. And I'm getting, I, I'm the producer, Gerardo's the director. So um, I'm finding everybody, talking to them all, uh, accepting who comes on board and then organising the shoot. I'm also the script writer. So I'm scripting it up and putting that just into various uh, Facebook chats. Gerardo can watch what's happening on the set to actually direct via uh, Skype or Zoom. So he's actually there as a director. Hmm. But he but he is giving the instructions too on how we're doing it. And we've got footage coming back. Now, um, we've got uh, certain things that we can do with low-res footage, which in one or two cases we've had. And you'll see that when the film comes out. Um, so... You won't get stuck if it goes onto a big screen with uh, low-res footage. We've got we've found a way for that, but uh, the rest of it that's coming in it only has to be HD plus 1080, and uh, it can go on a screen. So yeah, we're we're up and happening and actually doing a feature during lockdown. Wow, man, that is incredible, and uh, I, I can't wait to to see the the movie. It. Uh... Just the title is very intriguing, and it's a tongue twister too. <laughs> yeah. Well, with this, it's um, it's a sci-fi horror, and um, I was influenced by a lot of fifties, sixties sci-fi horrors. You know, stuff like the fifty-foot-tall woman, or it might have been called the Amazing Fifty-Foot-Tall Woman, and War of the Worlds, and It Came from Outer Space, and all of those. And I thought, right, this one's going to pay homage to that. So. Um, Whereas uh, our toxic alien zombie babes are uh, basically uh, zombies, they're uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space style zombies, which I don't think anybody else has ever bothered. So it's like, <laughs> you know, rather than your fast zombies or your slow zombies, your Romero or your Russo zombies. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we've got the big throwback to that. But a lot of the things that are coming up in the film um, are mentioning events of today. So uh, at the moment, you've got a lot of people waffling on it. Well, coronavirus is the big one. We're in lockdown. So this actually happens during lockdown. So that's the setting of the film. But uh, we're bringing up everything from, uh, you know, your conspiracy theorists going on about uh, murder hornets and 5G and everything else that is a big issue now. And... Uh, I got that. I don't know if you remember this anthology film from like 1972 called The Groove Tube. Uh, I'm not familiar with that one. 
It's got Chevy Chase in it. It might have even been the film that got him started. But um, they did a whole lot of skits that were relevant to 1972. So um, they've got a skit where you've got Let Your Fingers Do the Walking, which is um, based on the old uh, Yellow Pages ad. They've got skits based on different TV shows, different ads. Um, they've got uh, a lot that's to do with hippie culture that was on at the time. And I don't know if what they were trying to do was capture everything that was happening at the time, but I thought, boy, I look back on that and I actually remember 1972. So <laughs> I'm going, oh, man, I remember those ads. I remember this. I remember that. And I thought, I'm doing that in this film because the events of this year, well, even the events of any year, you turn on the TV and it's New Year's and uh, that's for those that still have TVs. I haven't had one for 20 years. <laughs> but you turn on the TV and it's New Year's and what do they do? They have a look back over the year and then you start to remember the major events of the year that you'd forgotten. They were big news in January or March or, or May and now it's December and uh, whoever was being talked about, and I go, do you remember this? Do you remember that? So um, I'm hoping that that's going to be one important element of the film. Um, the rest of it, I actually um, put together a timeline of how I want things um, in the movie to progress, uh, to get the action in and what's happening, and uh, I jotted down what the different people I wanted in there was. Now it's a case of getting in footage from different places, you know, like uh, we've got, I've got a couple of people I'm talking to in Africa, no idea if they're actually going to come through or not. Um, <laughs> I've got uh, another person I'm talking to in India. Now, I'm 100% confident of the guy I'm talking to in Canada because he's already uh, three quarters of the way through filming his. And these aren't simple instructions that Gerardo's giving, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want Zoom footage and bullshit. He wants the person to go around and get every angle and every shot that he's already got in mind for cutting and splicing in. That's not giving away secrets. That's what happens on a set anyway. Uh -huh. uh, but, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, it's all exciting. It's only three weeks in, but it's happening. It'll take the same amount of time as a feature, so we probably won't have it all edited up and ready to run Till November anyway, and a lot of the cinemas are saying, a lot of the places that put their stuff on hold, you know, like Marvel put a lot of stuff on hold, mm -hmm. they've got stuff shot and they're not going to screen till November. Other places have put the productions on hold and they won't uh, start producing till maybe uh, October or November. So, uh, yeah, we're still going to take it as long as we would have taken anyway. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, to to backtrack to what you're saying about uh, having people from different parts of the world contributing to this, I think that's that's a, a very cool thing that you guys are doing too. That not, you know, I I don't hear about that too much. So it's it's very cool that you're trying to incorporate with the with the whole remote recording and uh, you know trying to trying to uh, make it to your guys' advantage. Well, believe it or not, I did um, this, must be 10 years ago, believe it or not. Um, it, like I was in a band called Darkness Visible, which is pretty much how I got into um, eventually making short films. We did about 10 video clips and uh, we were a, a 
a gothic theatrical um, band, you know, the whole show. Somewhere mm. halfway between a rock band and going to uh, a theatre night, you know. Um, mm -hmm. so we, we had all of the props and everything. And uh, I had an animator in Texas that, was, uh, that I'd talked to and he wanted to put my mouth and my eyes into the character that he was animating, which he did. And he sent me a shot list. And uh, I got in the makeup artist, got in the lights, and got in um, a, a DOP, and we shot all of the stuff he wanted. And then it dawns on me the very first, uh, maybe the second Darkness Visible video was actually done uh, partly in Canberra and partly in Melbourne. So with the guy in Canberra, he had, um, we used to have two big tombstones on the stage for Darkness Visible. Um, they're just foam. And uh, we filmed a zombie uh, video clip in the cemetery. And uh, I put up one of our Darkness Visible tombstones in the cemetery. And uh, this guy did a cartoon of that um, tombstone. And he wanted to dump the eyes and the mouth of the lead singer into it for the beginning so that the eyes and mouth were in the tombstone over the eyes and mouth that were there. And we filmed that on a mini DV camera and uh, sent the tape up to Canberra. So working remotely isn't new to me, but it's not now dumping two eyes and a mouth into a cartoon character. It's the whole shebang. Hmm. Wow, very cool. Yeah, I, I uh, was watching some uh, videos on your YouTube channel, and uh, and I noticed you have tons of material on your YouTube channel, and uh, I, I think I scrolled back to see some of your uh, your band's uh, songs, and I I watched a few of them. So very very uh, interesting style of uh, you know like the goth theatrical rock band type, uh, you know. Type, type fun, music that you guys are making. <laughs> they were fun gigs. And um, because there were so many props and everything, um, I mean, eventually the band stopped playing live. That, that whole last lineup broke up. But I'd never been able to hold a lineup together in the first place because um, rather than having pro, um, you know, pro musicians, they were musicians that tended to come out of the Gothic scene. And unfortunately, you really can't do it with, when you've got the real shebang. They're nutcases. They go crazy, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, they don't turn up to uh, practice sessions or they come along to a practice session and uh, act gothic. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so um, yeah, that lineup, um, I couldn't hold it together anymore. I had cancer at the time and I was going through chemo and I couldn't put up with the fucking whinging that just would never stop and, you know, the uh, big egos and shit. So I came to an end and I ended up with um, a hell of a lot of props. So uh, when I started recovering from cancer, <laughs> which took years, and I start getting my energy back, I got invited onto a film that was by someone that I knew from the goth scene. This guy had a band and I used to put his band on with um, on my nights and um, I helped promote his band a bit. And I didn't know that the guy, uh, his name is Mark Bakaitis, I had no idea that the main thing he was known for was film. I only knew him from the band, and I mean, nightclubs are loud, and sometimes uh, when you're not at the nightclub, you're just talking about the co-promotions. 
So he'd done music videos for some of Australia's top bands. He'd, <laughs> he had lots of awards. He'd been doing this for like 20 years. And now he had his big feature film, Cult Girls, happening. So I asked, would I rock up as uh, and be a cult guard, which um, meant wearing a mask for it and uh, dressing up a bit goffy for it. So it's really a background extra role, nothing spectacular. But through that, I discovered the indie film industry. I'd never crossed over with it much um, from doing the band videos. And, uh, yeah, so um, <laughs> I'm getting to be a silly old man. I've lost track of what I was trying to say. But I, I got... I got my start with Cult Girls and when that was a horror movie and as soon as I started meeting people in the indie movie industry and it came time, hey, uh, maybe I can even make my own film, I had a lot of props. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, very so, cool. Yeah, so that having the props uh, got me started with making the horror movies and that's three years ago. We've been making a short film a month for uh, three years oh, and... Wow. Even during the apocalypse, we had about four of them that, or maybe five that were unedited. So Gerardo and a couple of others came in. They didn't have anything much else to do because couldn't shoot or anything. And they said, Dave, we'll save your bum. And they started editing them up. So we, we kept the pace going up until uh, announcing um, this film. And that means it will be the first time we're not bringing out short films in quite a while for maybe five months from one a month. Mm -hmm. so so this new uh the uh zombie babes from outer space or uh excuse me uh the was toxic zombie babes from outer space toxic alien zombie babes uh, from outer space yes my apologies um <laughs> so <laughs> so is uh this going to be a full-length movie or is this going to be a short uh short film uh, it's planned at 90 minutes, but uh, it doesn't mean that, um, that it's limited to that. So I'm getting in a lot of footage already, and Gerardo's cutting it. It's not like um, I'm looking at the script on a page and saying, well, this will take this long to film, that will take that long to film. It's been uh, a whole different animal. For instance, um, when I'm asking people for footage, it's for things that I need to slot in, but not everybody's going to come through with the footage. For instance, we've got some footage being filmed today that I know will come in. Um, one of our makeup artists, she's been given the shot lists and everything, and um, I've asked for something very specific, and I know she's got the skill. But uh, for what she's showing, um, I'll give away a little bit of it. Basically, the aliens are toxic and people get sick, Yeah, you know, from being around them. Okay. Yeah, um, you know, so if they get away from being attacked, they're going to, if it's a guy, he's just going to come up sick later. So they need lots of boils and stuff. And I thought, I'll get three cut-in scenes of different guys dying. Well, only one's coming through. Uh, we, um, we've got a long time till we finish filming, but I might get uh, another one of my uh, makeup artists might say, yeah, I can do it. Because it's got to be a makeup artist that actually has a boyfriend that lives with them. Oh, Okay. So maybe you ought to, to work on that, him then. No, that's because of the lockdown. Not every makeup artist has got a boyfriend. and oh. not every, uh, Well, they're not all uh, female makeup artists in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, but, well, even a guy that's got a boyfriend that can do up his boy, but I, I don't have a, 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 a gay makeup artist, male makeup artist. Mm -hmm. 
But, uh, yeah, so um, if we only get the one scene, that's going to end up being shorter. So, as you can see, I've got the bits planned, but to say, right, when I look at the page on a normal script, I can say, look, that's about four minutes worth. You know, we're going to have four minutes from that scene. We're going to have two minutes from that scene. This will take roughly this long. And I've usually got a thumbnail, and um, if it's a short, I know it's going to be somewhere between six to nine minutes. Uh, with a feature, with um, there's a minimum of 45 scenes to get in. Mm -hmm. And that's not including the main ones that are going to be coming up all of the time. So, yeah, I've done my estimates, and um, it is going to be feature length, but it won't necessarily be 90 minutes on the dot. But uh, it doesn't matter, as long as we don't go too far under. You can go as long as you like, because Marvel are releasing them at two and a half hours long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mine will not be two and a half hours long. I'm so used to short shooting shorts that I realised that when I scripted this, I went bang into the action immediately. What quite often happens is um, a storyteller wants to establish what is normal and then turn your world upside down. Mm -hmm. I haven't got any shots of, um, well, I'm not even going to put them in, but I could, but I haven't got shots of people going about their normal um, COVID-19 existence. So I don't have all of the happy people walking around whose lives are suddenly turned around. We're just bang straight into it. So I've scripted a little bit uh, differently. Nice. I can respect that. Yeah, I'm not going to let things... The world is always changing. And uh, the methods of storytelling change. Uh, you've seen Citizen Kane? Um, don't hate me for this, but I, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> well, Citizen Kane at one point was considered one of the greatest films ever done, um, Orson Welles. In fact, in a way, there's an Orson Welles tie-in with this because um, War of the Worlds, uh, an Orson Welles tie-in with this because War of the Worlds is one of the big influences on this film. Well, Citizen Kane starts off with a lot of shots that people had just never seen before. A lot of, um, it's like a collage. And I looked at it and whereas people you're afraid they'll hate you because you haven't seen it. They're now going to hate me because I'm going to say that is the most boring opening for a film I've ever bloody well seen. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, what really blew people's minds at the cinema 40 years ago is not something that's going to necessarily appeal today. Today it's a fast-moving world. The majority mm -hmm. of people are going to end up watching their that film on their iPhone. Some yeah. will... Some will have a big uh, TV screen at home, you know, like a little home theatre. Some will still have their computer. Many of them will have a laptop. More of them will have a phone. Cinema runs themselves. Everybody's still thinking they're going to come out the other side the same. I'm thinking we're going to see a speed up of what's happening. For instance, before the lockdowns happened, uh, I noticed a lot of shops were going under. Um, because they were in competition with China. You know, person sees, oh, I want that, right? And they see it in the shop, and the shop has bought it from China. So they go home and they realise that $120 vest is actually $20 delivered from China. 
So shops were starting to go under because people were buying online. And these shops weren't even adjusting to realise they have to change the buying experience so that it's no longer about that, but about something else, like you're walking into a whole new world or you're coming in and you're part of a community because specialist shops weren't going under. Well, with the lockdowns, a lot of people can't trade or they're limited to how many people can come in. We're going to see a lot of bricks and mortar shops shut down and people be more used to buying online. We're going to, people are being pushed more to VOD. Netflix and Amazon are probably <laughs> just going, wow, we've got more subscribers than ever before. We're going to see a little bit less of the theatre unless we're talking certain theatres like community theatre, walking past, say, We've got um, a lot of indie um, cinemas around Melbourne and they don't just put a film on. They will have like a band in the corner, you know, as people are coming in. And if it's a sci-fi film, it might be a sci-fi band. And you walk around and they've got all of these crazy sci-fi props and everything. Um, you, The cinemas that understand that they're, that this isn't um, a mass-produced Every two hundred, every cinema being two hundred and fifty seats in a chain of them across the country, all showing the same thing, they're going to have a bit of trouble. Uh, the ones because, uh, well, basically things are changing fast. They were being impacted on their sales before. Now they're really going to be impacted. So we've also got to think with uh, what we're doing here with toxic zombie, ba toxic alien zombie babes from outer space. I believe it will open up for more. Um, international, um, are these little dings coming out on that from Facebook? Oh. Um, no, I know I can't see anything. Oh, thank God. Yeah. So for toxic alien zombie babes from outer space, we're adjusting to what's happening right here and now, uh, during the apocalypse. But, um, when it's over, things aren't going to go back to the way they were. They'll be, uh, changed. Uh, people will have changed their habits and how they do things. And I think that we'll see a lot more international collaborations. In the past, I quite often got the soundtracks from overseas. So I might talk to someone in England about the soundtrack and get it done there. Uh, we also got a lot edited overseas. But now we're going to be setting up uh, shoots remotely overseas. I'm pretty sure of that, especially if this film does really well. Um, a lot of people will say, let's do it again. Mm-hmm. For sure. You can, you can set up a green screen and I can be standing there in the green screen and talking to somebody and they can be on their end in a green screen reacting. Right. And uh, we can drop in a background of um, a third place altogether. So um, that's one way of doing things that, that might be a bit difficult right at the moment because you're not allowed to go to some place that owns a green screen and has lots of cameras. That'll change when the lockdowns are over. When the lockdowns are over, I see us see um, the community coming a little bit more close together as an international indie film community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it it, it could be um, I wouldn't say like a game changer, but I mean, it definitely uh, could be something that. Uh, you know, filmmakers can implement into filmmaking after 
uh, lockdown and, and COVID is, is finally, hopefully it'll be over sooner than later. But, um, you know, just w- this new way of uh, how everything is going to work. I mean, you know, it could possibly be integrated into, uh, you know, filmmaking like as before. But uh, maybe maybe it could be cost less effective um, to do stuff remotely. I don't know. But, I wasn't thinking of the costs. I was just thinking of change. If you think about it, somewhere around your 1880s, 1890s, you've got your magic lantern shows and people are going along and they're watching these in the tent. And it's like early filmmaking. Next thing, you've got your Nickelodeon. And they start opening up these great big places with uh, 20, 30, 40 Nickelodeon machines. Uh, Nickelodeon gives way to... Uh, uh, silent cinema, somebody with uh, playing at a piano and it's black and white and it's silent. I think uh, then the jazz singer comes along. What's that, 1928, 29, you know? Suddenly you've got talkies and uh, things keep progressing from, uh, you know, uh, mono sound to stereo sound to colour. Anyone that's holding on to today is doomed anyway. In fact, most of them are holding on to how it was five years ago. For instance, um, one of my favourite movies um, was also from the 70s. Uh, I think the fellow's named Roger Corman, and he did uh, Precinct 13. Um, uh, well, uh, he, he could have done... He, he, yeah, well, see, I'm, I'm puzzled too because I know John Carpenter made Assault on... Precinct 13. Sorry, John Carpenter. It's me getting okay. old, forgetting. John Carpenter, yeah. he did the music for it and he makes uh, Precinct 13. It's an indie film. It's mm-hmm. very, very expensive to make. And he puts it in um, at, uh, at, a, at a, a film festival and he gets a sale. People still think it's the same way. Uh, nowadays, there's 7,000 to 8,000 film festivals on Film Freeway. When John Carpenter did that, what was there? 12 or 13? They actually had buyers at them. So when I'm putting my stuff out there and the, and the other filmmakers are, they're coming to me saying, look, I got laurels from 20 film festivals. And I'm thinking, oh, should I actually say this? No, I'll say it. I'm thinking, boy, you're a fuckwit. You just spent 2,000 bucks, you know, to put it into all of these film festivals for laurels. There are no film buyers there. For 2000 bucks, I could make wow. um, 10 or maybe eight short movies or even five. Um, but uh, the truth is filmmakers today have got their minds stuck in 1970 and 1980. What worked and was tried and proven at that particular time does not work now. Mm. Um, so a lot of people, well, they're making films, but they're stuck in the past. By the time they catch up to how things are happening, things will have changed again because of the lockdown. And, uh, you know, the rate of change isn't actually getting faster as people think it is. When you look back at uh, any invention from the telephone, from when they picked up a telephone and had to crank it and talk to the operator to be put through, to then a telephone that had a rotary dial, you know. Mm -hmm. You look at the evolution of the telephone and you say, 
How long did it take from uh, this particular way of doing things with the telephone to the next level, to the next level, to the next level? And then you look at film. How long did it take for this to change, to that to change, to that to change? And you, you have, a look at it, have a look at your computer. Most people are using Word. They're using Excel. They're using a lot of things that uh, were there in 1995 with, uh, what, Windows 3.1. Um, Bill Gates got stuck in the past when he was at the top. And he didn't understand with uh, Netscape how the internet was going to change things. Uh -huh. The internet the internet came along. It changed everything. So oh, yeah. uh, there was what was called the browser wars. And he was late in it. He even got sued because he tried to destroy Netscape or something like that because he realized <laughs> later on. But uh, no sooner did, was the browser wars over, then people were starting to realize, oh, people are now connecting. I think you could say uh, Google won the browser wars. I realised that it was more mm -hmm. than just um, searching for a web ring and getting a banner come up. So the people that um, are understanding the change and what's happening are the people always coming out ahead. And um, I'm not saying that I'm one of those people. I'm saying I can look back at the past and see the rate of change has always been changing. People that were very, very smart and very open-minded to being early adopters, got in on the right things at the right time. So I'm saying that when we come out of this, yes, um, it will have sped up whatever the rate of change that was going to happen. It'll have sped it up by a couple of years and things will be different. And I'm sure that I'll be doing things quite differently. And maybe what I'm doing now, where I'm getting a lot of people coming back to me, I mean, they're obviously not looking at... Um, the uh, photos and bits and pieces we're putting up, they're going, oh, my God, it's being shot in lockdown. It's all going to be full of Zoom footage. It's all going to be full of close-ups. We've got pictures of giant UFO battles. We have got pictures of uh, severed heads with melting faces and smoke coming out of them. We <laughs> have got everything you would expect of a feature film done without the lockdown, but with wow. a few advantages. Awesome, yeah, man. yeah, it's all going to change. Um, just look at what we're doing here. Um, people thought, oh, podcasts. Well, podcasts have really gone whack and hit the radio industry because you can set one up at home. And uh, with the radio, they actually go out on the uh, waves. They've got big setups. It's uh, much more expensive than setting up a mic like you've got now and some software and putting up your podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how I'm, that, that's how I'm getting, uh, uh, set up. Like I haven't even podcasted, uh, a year yet. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I got a, uh, an affordable setup and, uh, just started plugging away. And, you know, to be honest, I, uh, never imagined, that uh, I'd be doing as as well as I'm doing now, and getting uh, you know terrific guests on. It's it's been pretty unreal how fast this is moving for me. I couldn't imagine it either. Um, for instance, in the old days, um, if you were promoting something, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Let's let's say it's a film. Let's say it's a music video. It didn't matter what it was. You had to hop on the plane. Mm -hmm. That costs money. 
you had to have somebody that teed up everything for you, all of the publicity. So um, you're the person that's plugging your film, like I'm plugging Toxic Alien Zombie Base from Outer Space. If I went to the next city, which uh, for me would be maybe uh, Sydney or Adelaide, you go on four or five radio shows, you go on the uh, breakfast TV, you go on the midday TV, then you're on the current affairs in the evening, and then you're on um, the uh, talk show at night, and you're trying to do it on all of the TV stations, all of the radio stations. Um, you do that remotely now. Yeah. Plug in, go on Zoom, and, uh, yeah, being seen all around the world on this show from Texas, on that show from Mumbai, and uh, this show. So um, I'm, I've hit the hustings for the promotion. Um, it might sound early, but it's normal promotion that you have to get the interest up and the vibe happening in a film before it's released if you want to get people to come and see it when it's released. Right. So you keep people informed on what you're doing and uh, what is upcoming. And, you know, something to give people some, something to look forward to, I should say. Yeah. Instead of so just they all, sitting yeah. back and dwelling. Yeah, they all get, they're all waiting for the day. Like, um, if I stop talking about myself and talk about Marvel, um, uh, you probably got a lot of people on your show that hate Marvel, but I happen to like it. People are waiting for that latest Spider-Man movie to come out, that latest Avengers one. You've got to get the buzz up like that, that they know it's coming out. They want to see all of the behind-the-scenes shots and what the new Batman costume, I know Batman's DC, but what the latest Batman costume looks like. And they're waiting, and they're, you've still got to do the same. Now, if this was two years ago, you would have said, uh, Dave, come into my studio. And I would have been sitting across a chair from you. We'd have the camera set up. We'd be doing it that way. Um, like I said, things change. Now we're on a podcast. It's visual and it's happening. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm doing as many podcasts as I can because I haven't got that buzz happening. Um, one of the things that I really wanted to do in this film that so far I haven't been able to was to include the uh, horror community you know, your horror sci-fi convention community. Mm -hmm. When people go out to um, the uh, big, uh, the big uh, festivals and that, you know, um, you've got uh, quite often film showing, but you've got your big area with a whole lot of stalls. And you've got your people that, um, that are your stars of the B-grade movies that everybody remembers and loves. They're all part of the community and they're there and you pay some money and get a picture taken with them and get an autograph, etc. And you go, oh, my God, that fellow was in this movie, this movie, and this movie. They're, they're not well-known outside of our community, but to us, they are heroes. Mm -hmm. Well, I remember when I watched the Blues Brothers, right, they did that in theirs. They had everybody popping up from the 50s and 60s, even going back to the 30s. So they'll have a scene and there's Twiggy. You know, I mean, I remember Twiggy, like, more from the 70s and the 60s. And then you've got uh, Cab Calloway, Minnie the Moocher, and you've got all of these people. I wanted, because we were remotely filming, to include the community. And so I approached a whole lot of uh, stars from the B-grade movies. And I got a lot of knockbacks. This film, it's like, who the hell is this uh, Aussie? You know, I've never heard of him. Why the fuck should I... Uh, do a self-shot scene with him 
they don't know. I mean, a lot of people in the B-grade community have heard of me, but the ones I'm approaching, it's like, yeah, so we're Facebook friends. Big deal. There's 4,999 other ones that I've got. Why should I do it? So to me, it's very important to have them in as part of the community, and that's one of my failures so far. So I'm hoping that if I get the um, get the buzz happening, at some point some of them will turn around and say, oh, Dave, look, I keep hearing about you everywhere and I've seen some of your stuff and it's pretty good. You know what? I'll do it. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not holding out too much hope for that, though. <laughs> but... Uh, you don't know unless you unless you try. I mean, you know, you, you got to keep going forward, and I mean, you're not going to get anywhere if you don't try. So uh, well, that's why I'm on your podcast to get the message out there, get people excited, and right. uh, and maybe get these B grade stars in. But uh, yeah, uh, if I don't, it will be a great shame that I didn't, because I wanted this to be by the community for the community. So that when, because I already know it's a favourite with a lot of the festival runners because I've spoken to them. There's, um, they're all friends of mine anyway and I've done little skits, you know, where we've gone out and filmed horror skits to say hello to such and such, such and such fest or whatever. And uh, we've done stuff that's been shown. So I've got a, a few years of building up um, friendships and goodwill and chatting late at night about favourite films, you know, on uh you know, on Facebook, you know. So we are known to them, um, you know, not the not not the first name that will come up, but, yeah, I wanted to have this come up so it ends up being a favourite for many years to come and people going, <coughs> oh, yeah, I remember him from Dawn of the Dead and uh, this movie and that movie and by not having them all pop up every which way, like in the Blues Brothers, it's an element that I, I won't have in it that would be ideal. But mm. they don't know me. They think I'm a fuckwit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's, you know, I, I keep going back to, like, you know, these times are, are very difficult. So, um, you know. Well, most of them aren't it, actually on any shows at the moment because I can't film anything. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of people were wanting to, like, well, it's like, I'd want to do your movie, but uh, with all this going on, maybe it's best to hold back and, you know, who knows. But, oh, look, you know, cameo one of the only awesome. Yeah, one of the only ones that I can see is doing something and is, like, a hero of mine is Tom Savini. Mm-hmm. Smartest guy under the sun. He's making uh, Jason masks that you can wear, you know, for the uh, quarantine. Oh, right, right. So he's probably busy, you know, so um, him not answering me doesn't bother me at all. Uh, not that I don't want him in the film, but I can see he's doing something. Everybody else, no, nobody's been rude. Mm-hmm. But I understand what it's like when you pass off the little kid. Sorry, little kitty. You know, the adults are playing. You know, I know what it's like. So that's what they're doing. I've got uh, a, a series of... Um, I hosted horror series of six um, six uh, six horror house um, episodes that are amongst the best. I mean, I'll tell you if I do something shit, but these happen to be good, right? They have been on TV around the world. I've had my films as the shorts before the uh, features in a lot of places. I think you said you're in Iowa. Yes. Yes. 
film scene in Iowa, when they've been showing something, it might be that they've decided to show Plan 9 from Outer Space, right? So they go, Dave, do you have um, a UFO short? And if I've got one, I give it to them, and they've got the short before the feature. Uh, Roxy 14 in uh, California have also shown my stuff. Uh, so my stuff's getting out there, and it's getting out there in a small trickle way that many people who are into classic cult and B-grade movies are starting to pick up and starting to know. And like I was talking with the future, you've got to think what I'm doing now comes out later. These people that are knocking me back, the rate I've been going, I will be known in three years, and they won't be in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the mentality you have to have. A handful of them um, really are known because they did something in the 80s. Yeah, the smart person is really like Gerardo, who's editing my film. He's got to be super skilled. Then I'm writing it. I sort of got to be skilled. Not, I'm acting in it and I've sort of got to be skilled. But if really you're just rocking up to the set and everybody else has done the work to pass me off like a little kid, it's like, get some fucking talent. My makeup artist sits there, like I've got about five, and makes whole zombies. Tom Savini does that. He's a genius. You get what mm -hmm. I mean? Right, yes. You know, so some of these people that are knocking me back, um, well, maybe I can understand why they're knocking me back. It's not talent just to rock up. We can all go, oh, I'm, I'm, we're, we're, as soon as the cameras are on, lights, camera, action, rolling. Oh, I'm dying. Oh, oh, uh, oh, oh phew, that really stinks. We can all act, you know. We did it when we were kids. Yeah. <laughs> you can look at the acting in my films and you can say, look, that, that Dave did a decent job in that one. No, he's uh, wooden in that one. We all have our good and bad days. But uh, I'm just saying that uh, the pass, the brush-offs, they're, 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 they're upsetting. I mean, it's the thing that a B-grade star wants to do is just leech off of the community by rocking up there and selling their autograph and selling their picture? Or are they genuinely a part of the community? Like Sid Haig, who was genuinely a part of the community. Everybody has met him. I yes. was very upset. I wish I had him. I was very upset when he passed away because I loved uh, Captain Spaulding. And oh, it, he, he did a lot in his times, a lot of it that's not so well known, and I had to go to IMDb to start picking it up. That was a man that was for the community by the community. Yes, very much so. I uh, uh, I was very fortunate to have met him one time. I hate you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he oh man, he you know, I I saw him uh, a year or two before he passed away, so uh he you know, he to me, you know, he didn't look um and that great of health and you know he i think he was hiding a lot of it from the public and you know he was kind of you know he had his spirits up as far as like you know there's nothing wrong with me people need to quit you know back off me and stuff and i was like you know i respect that uh but you know he's such a cool guy i you know briefly exchanged a couple words with him as far as like you know hey what's up i brought my uh house of a thousand corpses vhs tape up to him for him to sign and yeah. he's like you're going old school, huh? I'm like, yes, yeah. sir. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's very they're, cool. They're people that make the community, really. I mean, that's what you come out on a high from a convention because you met these people, they talked to you, they treated you great. 
etc. Mm-hmm. I am feeling like absolute fucking shit messaging one after the other and somebody said, I know this fella, I know that one, I'll talk to him for you. And just getting slapped in the face one after the other. The, oh, I do believe the community is what it's all about because um, if I look at people like yourself, right, um, when I first started, uh, I first started as an artist, a cartoonist and um, and a band member. People that were doing radio shows on community radio that played my band, my band stuff, some of them are still doing it today. So we're talking, I'm 57, that's 17. I'm talking 40 years plus for some people giving their time for free week in, week out to do stuff that keeps the community going. You know, Mm -hmm. I always... Like, I only know my little neck of the woods, but I know that every other state and every other city worked the same. You you had your shop that would sell, um, you know, videos or even before the video days and had records there, had uh, comic books, your underground comic books. They were centre of the culture. And uh, my first comic books were photocopy fanzine sort of jobs. And I'm like this kid at uh, 17 coming into those places and I say, yeah, Dave, we'll, we'll take five on consignment. You know, they made you feel like you're important and you come back a couple of weeks later, although you probably hang out in the shop a fair bit, and two have sold and you feel great. These people that, I mean, they know, they made nothing off of them, you know, and they, they made some shelf space. The other person, they're, they're doing a free radio show. Other people, when community TV came along, uh, played my band. It's these people... Um, I mean, a lot of people work at the conventions for free, you know. Mm-hmm. The conventions can't go unless they've got a horde of volunteers. And the volunteers might be given um, something for their time, you know. But on the whole, you've got a whole lot of people putting in volunteer work. And to me, this is the community. So here I am coming along asking, begging these B-grade stars and getting no, no, uh, now, I can't do it for this reason. I can't do it for that reason. I know that this reason's a load of bullshit because somebody else has the same reason and they're doing it, you know. So, I mean, yeah, yeah it's like move along, little kitty. So um, we will have a mind-blowingly good film that will reflect today. We'll have a mind-blowingly good film just for the fact we were able to film something during the apocalypse. It might, if I'm lucky and go on enough podcasts, and really get the uh, hype up there, might get some of them to turn around because fame is money for them. The more people that know about them, the more uh, people that will queue up to buy their autograph and buy their merchandise. And uh, Mm -hmm. if that's all I can offer is a bit of exposure, um, I'm just asking them to spend a few minutes to self-tape something, you know, something that was script up to fit in. We'll play with it. We'll put the special effects in, we'll do the colour, we'll do everything. And right. we've got a track we've got a track record. I'm not the the little newcomer that was wondering, oh, can I even make a short film? You know, thirty of them later, being seen on television and on cinemas around the world, I think I can make a fucking movie. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. Well, uh I wanted to touch up on uh you know, you guys making uh, a movie during lockdown and and everything like 
it's almost like uh, you're making history in a way too, because there's there's not a lot of films being made right now, and to see I that thought, you know I thought we were, I thought we were making history. I, I asked a lot of people, um, is anybody else doing this? And a lot of people mentioned that it was all Zoom footage and uh, that sort of thing. I think I'll be amongst the history makers because um, there's bound to be uh, uh, there's a lot of talent out there, mind blowing. You only got to go to, when lockdown's not there to the the short film nights, the amateur short film nights. We've got about three that happen in Melbourne. Hopefully they all survive. And uh, I know that um, they exist in every state because I've had my film shown at short film nights uh, in quite a lot of the states of uh, the USA. So it might be uh, there's um, an equipment shop in Texas, which there is an equipment shop in Texas. I've forgotten what it's called. But the fella there opens up like a home cinema once a month and uh, about 30 people pile in and they show short films. Mine uh, have been shown in Texas on that. Mine have been shown in Tokyo with a similar thing. Um, been shown in most countries around the world at short film nights. And uh, I go along to the ones that are here and I go, oh, my God, how did he do that? That is fantastic. There's a lot of talent and clever people. So just because I'm ignorant of anything like what I'm doing happening doesn't mean it isn't. I, I know for certain that it must be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure there's there are indie filmmakers making movies right now, but there's just, there's not a lot of uh, either exposure for them or just nobody knows about it. And uh, um, Well, everything's out there for the exposure. One of the problems that indie filmmakers have is um, attitude. Uh, don't say they've got a bad attitude, but they don't want to go around and promote, and you have to. They don't want to self-promote um, because it's embarrassing, you know. Um, so they're not good at promoting. Now, a lot of other people, like actors and that, when they get to a certain level, they have somebody doing that. They've got the PR agent. They've got the agent that gets them everything. In your early days, you have to be everything for yourself. So you have to drum up your own PR. You have to find your own gigs. You have to be your own sales agent, even if you're not getting any money for it, and find your own outlets. You have to do everything to get to a certain level. Now, although I was whinging before about the B-grade stars, I'm not blaming them. I'm blaming me because I didn't get myself up to a level where they've heard of me and want to do it. Uh -huh. I mean, I'm blowing off a bit of steam, but um, <laughs> if you, if I was, I'll say Sid Haig, right, not talking ill of the dead, but I'm Sid Haig. Lots and lots of people want my autograph. And some dickhead from Melbourne, Australia that I've never heard of says, Hey, Sid, can you self-tape something for me? Who the fuck are you? Everyone's always asking me for stuff, so I do understand it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just laughing at how, you, how you're wording things. I'm not laughing at you or anything. <laughs> oh, no, you probably don't hear an Aussie accent there very often or some of our colloquialisms, which is why I've refrained from saying, uh, oh, fuck, mate, I'm as dry as a dead dingo's donger or anything else that you might not understand. <laughs> yeah, I, you're right. I, I don't hear Aussie accents too often, so this 
It's very cool, man. <laughs> Aussies don't like Aussie accents in their films, believe it or not. Oh, really? We have, we've got what you call a cultural cringe, and it's well known in Australia. Aussies don't support Aussie stuff. Um, for years in the 70s and the 80s, um, we'd always bring in actors that were only half as good as some of the ones we've got here to act so that you, you had an American and a, a British actor. And, uh, yeah, um, for some reason, whereas our stuff goes over quite well overseas, as long as people understand what you're saying and uh, your accent isn't too thick, it's quite popular overseas. But Australians don't like it. We've also got what you call a tall poppy syndrome. Aussies are so laid back, they don't like seeing anyone promote. Mm. You start promoting yourself like I am, you're going to end up with a lot of enemies. Everyone's going to say, oh, my God, that guy is so up himself. You know, they'll make up shit about you. They want to tear you down when you're getting up. And they that, that's the tall poppy part. And they don't want to see you in the first place because they don't like Aussie accents. The cultural cringe. So uh, for me, it's a godsend working internationally and working with so many uh, different people because uh, it probably a tall poppy syndrome thing wouldn't uh, make sense in America. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a difficult, difficult. Uh, I don't know. It's just America is so difficult, even uh, as far as like the film industry goes i mean it's 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 all about who has money and uh you know money talks oh money talks here too it it is there is a level at the cinema that money talks and that's all i ever hear from anybody but i'm saying don't let anything stop you because you can pick up your iphone i've done um i did one uh film that was on the iphone um Technically, it wasn't all on the iPhone because I had a, a pro camera guy with, um, I forgot what you call the rig, uh, the steady cam rig. And so while we were doing a found footage shoot, they actually had the pro footage being done behind me. Mm. So everywhere I went, filming and reacting, this other person's behind me getting uh, the pro footage and we cut the two in together. Um, but the footage that I took still was uh, quite usable. But you can go back before that. The guy that did the film, zombie film, Colin, did it on an, a, a mini DV camera. Mm. And that went out in thousands of cinemas. He made millions of dollars on a 45-pound budget. Wow. Yeah, uh, I, I just covered... Uh, 20, <coughs> the, Sorry. The, I mean, I guess you could... I mean, it, it's sort of a zombie movie, but, uh, you know, 28 Days Later... A oh, lot of, yeah. you know, a lot of that, or a lot of those scenes were shot on DV cameras. Oh, I didn't so, know that. You can't pick it. Yeah, it's yeah. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it's it's really good. I, I uh, you know, I had seen it way back when it first came out, and then I recently uh, watched it again. And, and for this podcast, uh, I was just, I was almost blown away in a way, because I was like, man, this movie really is good. You know, I, I, I always thought it was good, but watching it again, it's almost like it still holds up 20 years, you know, near 20 years later. And just even the story of it was just amazing. I was like, holy crap, this is very good. And, uh, and well, I, love that, the, um, yeah. I love the sequel, too. And a lot of people knock the sequel. But mm-hmm. I like both. I'm waiting for uh, 28 months later 
Yeah, that that was uh, something that was supposed to be in the works, and then we just we kind of didn't hear any more updates on that uh, if if it's even getting made. Yeah, it's probably because the market's died. Um, somewhere, zombie movies really hit a peak with the fever, but with The Walking Dead um, coming up like uh, 16 shows a year and adding in another 16 for Fear the Walking Dead, and then what, uh, another 16 for Z Nation and how many other ones? Um, you probably remember the old days when you wanted to get a zombie movie, they weren't coming out very often, and uh, there was 20 in the video shop. Mm-hmm. If a new one was coming out, you were diving for it because a new one might not come out for six or 12 months. As soon as you've got that much uh, coming out, it's like, right, it's oversaturation. So the whole, especially when you've got a lot of people, um, there are a lot more people that are able to make films nowadays. Yeah. Which goes back to our friend that did Precinct uh, 13. In his day, the cost... The, and you're talking film, and that that uh, physical film has to be sliced and edited. There's far fewer, there were much higher costs, far fewer films coming out. Nowadays, there's a shitload coming out, and uh, when you've got a bazillion really third-rate zombie movies that come out where people have got uh, ketchup on themselves and that, it, <laughs> it, it's dying, you know. So yeah. that's all. In fact... Um, it's one of the reasons why I'm actually doing a horror sci-fi. I think sci-fi will come back and be big. Maybe not like the zombie thing happened. Um, I don't think anything in the history of the film industry ever became big like the whole zombie craze did. Right. Yeah. Well, even like uh, the early 2000s, there was sort of like a resurgence of zombie movies to where... Um, you know, like Romero came back to make Land of the Dead, and then uh, Zack Snyder remade Dawn of the Dead. It seemed like right when that hit, zombie movies were everywhere. I mean, anything imaginable, they were sticking zombies in into every scenario possible, and then it just got so oversaturated to where people were getting sick of zombies, you know, because they're yeah. just shoving it down our throats. Yeah. You also had at that time... I think the zombie marches in most uh, cities were probably uh, three years into it. And so they become really, really big. And it was outrageous to dress like a zombie and have all of the blood and go down the street. <laughs> Last time I saw a zombie march was a few years ago. I can't remember how many years ago. And everybody was actually in line. And there's a guy actually almost as if he's calling out a march. And it was sponsored by Coca-Cola. And I thought, that's it. That's what happened to the zombie marches. You know, the big companies came in and pulled the vibe out of it. You know, mm-hmm. oh, no, the, the zombie marches from like 2006, 2007, 2008, they were like, wow. So, yeah, this was something waiting to go off. Uh, once you've got um, big corporation money and um you know, I don't know, Disney and Coke and all of those ones all involved, all trying to market, and everybody's actually doing what they're told and being regimented. It's like, yeah, um, it died. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, um, in in retrospect, uh, 
the the zombies genre i don't think is ever going to go away but uh i think it needs to um kind of pause for a little bit just in uh i think people really need like a fresh a breath for uh you know i guess i should say like take a deep breath and then just just kind of wait a little bit and then maybe come back to the zombie stuff but like you know oh, there's another yeah. problem with that the uh level of makeup and special effects in the walking dead is mind-blowing oh I've, yeah it is it, i stop the uh video sometimes when i'm watching it and i go my god they've got a zombie that's uh grown out of a tree what would that cost me with sfx and prosthetics and it's like yeah that would cost thousands. Somebody's been in a suit uh, made up for eight hours and they only care to show it for a split second moving in the, in the background and they've got 20 of them. And I look at it and I go, no, um, if you can't compete, you don't do it. So you're not going to be seeing a whole lot of um, people with their uh, 6K black magic uh, cameras going out and wanting to do that because it can't. So something mm -hmm. else will come along. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, people, the impact with The Walking Dead when you just had one of those first zombies, the woman that was half killed and I think they call her Bicycle Girl and there's mm -hmm. only half of her and Rick yeah. says something like, I'm sorry for what happened to you, that hit everybody and they go, oh, my God, that is just so small compared to how they got so good at makeup and prosthetics. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, you're looking at the background there just at what they've got there and it's like, no, I can't compete, I can't afford it and nobody's even bothering to look at it. So we will, when it comes to horror, we will see other things coming along and it's usually that person that came up with a unique concept and brought something new to it that uh, with mine, it's not so much that I'm bringing a new concept to Toxic Alien Zombie Babes, we are paying homage to all of those 50s films we're trying to get in as much as we can mm -hmm. plus plus do a take on covering what's here now and um if i can get a high enough profile in the next uh before we finish filming like in the next five weeks and get uh half a dozen to a dozen b-grade actors to actually change their minds or even answer a bloody fucking message i mean boy <laughs> that's so hard just to type for two seconds you know on Facebook or whatever. Right. So if I, if I can get them to say, oh, my God, this thing looks like it's really going to be big, it's really going to take off, um, and it is for the community, I should be in it. So if I can change their minds, we'll have that element too. If we can't, all I can say is, fuck you, assholes. I'm going to be bigger than you ever believed you are, you are now in two years' time. So sniff my fucking farts. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah, you're allowed to. <laughs> it's not actually going to happen, but, you know, it's good yeah. to – we all fantasise about it when we're snubbed, <laughs> <Really? laughs> that, that somebody's going to come crawling back. And we'll – I'm 57, I think, now, 56. I can't remember. Uh, that's what happens when you get old. Um, and I can tell you nobody ever crawled back into me in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, but this is going to be one thing it's really going to be is a fun film. I mean, I'm looking at uh, 
I didn't mean to keep the chats on Facebook while we were talking, but I thought if we got cut off, we can talk quickly, work out on Facebook what's happening. So I've right. had the had the messages coming up of who's just finished filming, what they've got, and all of the shots. And we've got great stuff coming in. It's going to be like this for the next uh, four weeks. There's over 45 scenes that I know of that have got to go in there. With those 45 scenes, um, add to it 13 that I've got to film of myself because I play a vlogger in it um, that uh, is sort of giving um, information of what's going on and presenting some, some of the footage. And then we've got a newsreader that's going to be in 12 of them. So add 25 more scenes to the 45. Okay. Uh, it's a lot to put together. Right. And it would be good to have um, 12 B-grade stars where somebody goes, oh, my God, that's such and such that was in this, that and the other. And, oh, my God, that's him that was in that one. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, It'd be awesome. It would be absolutely awesome to have a film that really doesn't in, take in the community. I mean, I've already got uh, people who are podcasters like yourself have been on their shows and said, hey, come on, you're in the film. So for the people that are actually your tin tax, we keep the scene going, mm -hmm. a lot of them are in the film anyway. But, yeah, our lords have not smiled upon me. They keep knocking me back. Well, I seen that uh, you, you made a page of uh, trying to get uh, people to make videos of themselves. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, could you maybe yeah. talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I realized that most people actually do film themselves, you know, not just actors who have to self-tape, but people are walking around and they've got their cameras with them all of the time. It's, it's no problem to film yourself. And uh, I realized that we've got to have Five reaction scenes. It doesn't necessarily have to be five, but I thought, how many reactions do I want when people first see a UFO? So the UFOs are appearing, and we're going to have these quick cuts in there. When I say quick, I don't mean like split second. So it's like somebody's filming, and they see they're looking at themselves in the camera, talking to their mum, their girlfriend, whoever, <coughs> and they go, oh, my God, what the fuck? Or somebody else might go, ah! <laughs> somebody go. So we get these people, and, and as soon as people start doing that, you're going to start finding some really clever footage comes in because everybody's got an idea. So somebody right. might be walking around. They don't have to break lockdown. They can just go to the front of their yard. Or if they don't want to go outside, they can just open up the, the, uh, the blinds and they've seen it through the actual window of their place, right? So right. it's not a big ask, but what it does is so many people fantasise about being in a film. And they think, oh, I've got to go to Hollywood. I really would like to be in a feature film and see myself on the big screen. We're going to grab at least five of these and cut them in, and they're intended to be people that were self-shooting. So whereas I said it's not all going to be Zoom footage and, uh, and close-ups that people shot on the iPhone, Mm -hmm. for the reaction to say here are people in the street that have looked up and they're all starting to see them i think that um i just know that when i wanted to get into all of this if i'd have seen that i would have jumped at it right yeah 
Yeah, I I don't know. I might have to make a video too, just and just throw it out there. If you guys don't use it, that's cool. But I don't know. I'll see if I can come up with something. <laughs> well, it's just it's just a case of imagination. Um, you're basically found yourself um, going through what we're going through now with the lockdown, but you're going outside to tape. Um, maybe you're calling your wife, honey, I'll be home at five fucking clock. What the hell is that? Just make sure you've got a bit of room behind you somewhere right. so that we can put the uh, actual UFOs in. Okay. If people, if people forget that because other people won't have, we might have three of them with where the UFOs show up and be able to just take two close-ups of people that uh, forgot. Mm -hmm. But you just think, what am I doing? Where am I? And how would I react to seeing a UFO? And some people can be very funny with their reactions. Some people can be very clever with what they're doing. I mean, somebody might be saying, look, I'm just going to um, go behind the bush quickly and have a poo. Oh, no! <laughs> Scared the shit out of me. Spot on. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, just do that. Upload it to um, the special group that we've got it got there, and whoever we um, select at the end, I'll message them. I'll get them to send in the full chunk footage through SendSpace or something like that, and uh, and we'll get them out the uh, release forms to sign so that we can use that footage. Um, so uh, that's going to go till the very last day of next month, where we'll do the cutoff. Okay, so I've listeners out there. Uh, make sure to check out uh, the Facebook page and uh, in the or join the group and submit your videos to David and and the film crew for his movie. Yeah, let's go. The group's called UFO Scream Scene. Okay. Yeah, so it's got a got an easy to remember name because you see a UFO and you're going to scream in the scene. <laughs> yeah, very might, simple. <laughs> Well, you might not scream, but uh, you're going to react in some way. Maybe right. you do a revolting one and you happen to be eating and all of the food just drops out of your mouth. Uh, yeah. 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 If we get enough of these reactions and we can't use them, you know, let's say there's uh, 200 to go in there. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll just make a short film and chuck it up on YouTube so everyone can see each other's. Um, so it'll just be yeah. five, five or ten minutes worth of people reacting to UFOs. But we'll def you'll definitely use five in the feature film. So that means you don't have to have an agent. You don't have to have uh, a big name or anything. You're just whoever you are, whether you're in Nairobi or Timbuktu or Tasmania, film yourself put it up there, and you could be in the film. Because mm -hmm. the B-grade stars certainly don't want to be in it. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. Well, what you could do, this is just an idea, but uh, you could maybe do like a uh, like an outtake type uh, gag reel for like the end credits and just have like everyone's reactions at the, you know, the ones that aren't in the film. You can maybe That's do... Brilliant. You know, it's a brilliant so, idea. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You can go ahead and use it. I don't know. Right. If we get enough, I reckon we will. Um, 
we were going to um, have something in there anyway because um, the credits on this are going to be incredibly long, you know, not longer than a Marvel film, which they go on for a long time. Oh, well, yeah. You, you it's like a movie in people. itself. Yeah, you, you see first unit SFX and they're in three lines and you can see that there's 15 names per line and you go, wow, they had all of those for the special effects. But then up comes the next block, the second unit SFX and third unit. And it's just like, what? And I've got friends that um, have to watch the credits. So I'll be sitting there and I'm thinking, they're going to go on for 15 minutes. You're going to go on for 15 minutes. And then you get to the very end of the film and I'm usually saying thank you to them rather than trying to kill them because they'll have this one scene that comes up at the very end as a bonus for sitting through the credits. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So they just go on and on, man. Yeah, well, our, our credits... That's big are Hollywood very, for you. Well, our credits are tended to be quite short because I go with the skeleton crew. Um, for a lot of the shorts, um, I might have somebody who's acting in it, but they're also the gaffer. They've set the lights up, and as soon as their scene's off, they're back, and they're doing that. And another person might be the soundie. So um, they're in the film, but then they're back to sound. And then where we need background extras, we might have... Uh, a couple of makeup artists on set, and bang, they're in. So our credits are a lot shorter because it's a skeleton crew and people who are multi-skilled that can do a number of different tasks in the same film. This time, because it's all being shot around the world in so many films, so many scenes, and we're not talking about a 15-minute short, we're talking 90 minutes plus, they're going to be long credits. So, yeah, if we probably can um, say yes to, like, I didn't even think of it. Now that you've said it, it's a brilliant idea. <coughs> but we probably can say yes to maybe 20 or 30 more people. We'll have to see how popular it is. I think right. it's a brilliant idea, but there are times when you have a brilliant idea, you put it out there, and for some reason you just fall flat on your face. And other times you've got something, you think, eh, maybe it'll take off, maybe it won't, and bang, it takes off. Mm -hmm. I need this to take off because if uh, enough people like it and they put a like on the page, I can say to my B-grade actors, I've got 25,000 likes on the Toxic Alien Zombie Babes uh, Facebook page. Numbers do talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely a, uh, a fun uh, movie that you guys are working on. At least the, the idea is a fun uh, idea so uh yeah so your guys' lockdown is probably uh more strict than where i'm at right now yeah it was surprising that it happened but um the story is that we had a whole lot of people that were in lockdown in the hotels and uh the government uh hired a security fir firm and uh the uh guards in the security firm uh started having sex with the people in the uh hotel oh and those people in quarantine had COVID. So, oh, shit. So from, <laughs> from guards sleeping with infected people, I don't know if it's female guards or male guards, I never said, they got yeah. out in the community. And uh, so we started watching it start to go crazy once again, whereas we had it under control. And, uh, yeah, uh, well, oh, um, then with uh, people that realised that they had gotten sick, uh, they didn't stay home. 
So somebody said, oh, um, I've ju- I'm feeling sick. I better just go do the shopping in case I'm going to be in a 14-day lockdown. I better go tell Auntie Marge that I'm not feeling well and I might be in lockdown. So Auntie Marge gets it, all of the supermarket shoppers get it, and uh, people doing incredibly stupid things. So mm-hmm. it's, got, it's gone nuts, um, and they're now talking about bumping us up to stage four. But it won't stop what we're doing with the film. Mm-hmm. And we do have some places like France and Italy where they can get 10 people together legally and film. So um, we're, we're being able to, uh, Gerardo's able to direct remotely and tee up some shots overseas where they're not in lockdown. But, uh, yeah, because um, most of the people I've worked with in the past are all in Melbourne, there is going to be a large percentage of people in the film that are filming during lockdown, um, you know, inside their place or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's uh, what a time to be alive. Oh, we'll remember it forever and uh, the film will become uh, something of that time because uh, other people will say, why don't I set a film during the lockdown period? We don't have to worry that something's going to be out of place. It's being filmed in the lockdown period about the lockdown period. Mm-hmm. And with everything that's gone crazy this year, I don't see that it's that uh, crazy that uh, we could be invaded with uh, toxic alien zombie babes coming from Venus and UFOs to uh, do all sorts of strange and nasty things to the men. Yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, it's definitely a possibility. Mm. You know, that's and that's that's part of the thing is nobody knows right now what to do. So who's to say... Who knows what is what is out there beyond Earth? <laughs> well, I think aliens might get here and find that we are all dead because we destroyed the environment. Uh, yeah, we're we're destroying this planet uh, faster and faster every day. Well, whether we know yeah. it or not. <laughs> yeah, well, the latest with the masks—they're um, selling plastic to put your mask in so you don't get it dirty. What do you think's going to happen with all of this plastic afterwards? Yeah, where, where's that going to go? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, uh, we're, we're covering those issues too in the film. This isn't a preachy film. It is actually going to piss off anyone that's easily offended, which means uh, this whole current woke culture generation, bunch mm-hmm. of fucking Nancy... The amount of bullshit I see with woke culture, it's crazy. I'm of the generation that actually faced real police and when we went out and demonstrated, right? I don't want some snot-nosed kid that can't even bother using Google and researching shit trying to tell me uh, that I'm a bad person for this reason, that reason, the other reason, and putting himself on a high pedestal. Um, When I was uh, a teen, we called that arrogance. To think you know better. I mean, I admire Greta Thunberg uh, more than most people, even her followers, because I know how hard it is to get up and do public speaking. I know how hard it is to find opportunities. I admire her. But to stand up there and put everyone down about the environment, I mean, first off, where do our shirts come from? Your shirt probably comes, T-shirt, comes from the same place that my shirt came from, which is a sweatshop. Mm -hmm. Somebody locked in to an actual factory 
for 18 hours for a dollar a day. It's an economic slave. So we're wearing stuff from sweatshops, uh, our computers and everything pretty much made in sweatshops. So our uh, Western world nations are all actually based on slavery. When you get into every single issue, the thing is, Ronald Biggs was right when he said, no one is innocent, but some are more guilty than others. We have no choice in what we're in. There's no pulling down the system. There is being in the system and making change from within gradually. Mm -hmm. And if I'm wrong, then these people, I'm I'm not, because you can look back. When I I was born in 1964, in 1967, they finally, uh, the Vatican decided that Jews were no longer to blame for the death of Jesus. Uh, I'm Jewish. I That message didn't get through to the Catholic nuns at the schools, probably didn't absor- get absorbed straight away and took them a good five to ten years. But, yeah, I, I used to get told to sit down the back of the class by the Catholics, you know, when they had a nun. Mm-hmm. We, we had Aboriginals were... Um, we had a white Australia policy, believe it or not. This is for Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aboriginals and the vote, all of these different things, I don't take credit for them because I wasn't one of the people that fought for them. But the people that did fight for them were people that um, were the older generation who used to teach me and say, you go out, you fight for what's right, you keep the ball rolling, you get it happening. Um, it was only in the last couple of years that uh, we finally got to vote for equal um, rights in marriage, where men can marry men, women can marry women. If I go back to 1972, 73, the first I can remember, if someone was gay, they'd say, hi, my name's Fred and I'm gay. They are expected to tell you from the beginning because if you found out later, you could be very angry, say, look, I would never be friends with the gay person. And it was considered quite reasonable to hold those sort of prejudices, and it's obviously not reasonable. Wow. Like, the more and more I think Mm -hmm. about it, we have been progressing and changing as a society for all of this time. How do you think Greta Thunberg got to do anything that she did? Because people like me and others have been there fighting for social change. Mm -hmm. So I'm not interested in the woke culture and the cancel cancel culture. Most of the stuff that we are doing now when it comes to science is based on the work of ancient Greeks that people built on. Have a look at ancient Greek society. Uh, There was a culture of boy love. Unthinkable nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm, I'm against it. I'm not promoting it, right? But the fact that adult men were supposed to have a young male as their protege and they had sex with them, it's like mind-boggling. What I'm saying is, no, I don't agree with that, but if you want to cancel that person's show because you feel that uh, they were sexist when they did something in the 80s, which in the 80s, if they had known and thought about it they would not have been that way then you've got to throw all your technology down the toilet because it's based on what a bunch of pedophiles started you know 2000 3000 years ago 
If you're not willing to throw your phone in the toilet, because most of the scientific principles that went into the algorithms that uh, make that, if you're not willing to do that, don't you start telling me that I can't uh, do this and that. Don't tell me to throw away the artwork and uh, things that people have made over thousands of years. Part of growing up is to realise how interconnected we all are, that all things change. When I became a cartoonist, in 19, uh, I, I was once the editorial cartoonist for The Truth. Big national tabloid. In fact, uh, that's the closest I've ever come to being a star. I got to meet uh, two prime ministers. I got to meet all of the stars because uh, every news agency in Australia had The Truth and you turn to page uh, four and there was my editorial cartoonist turn taking up oh, almost half a page. So I was well known. And I go to hand my first cartoons to the editor of The Truth. Um, this is when I got the job. And he said, you're kidding. I go, what? He said, this is prejudice, right? I'm not prejudiced, right? Mm -hmm. I had grown up on Bugs Bunny. So how do you think that I drew an Arab? Hassan Chop. How do you think that I drew uh, an Asian with the little hat and the buck teeth? It mm -hmm. is prejudice. I know that nowadays. He explained it to me. The people who drew the Bugs Bunny cartoons that I grew up on probably didn't weren't aware of that. Am I to say that these geniuses were prejudiced? Maybe some were, but uh, I, I assume that most weren't. Things are going to change. The way we view something today could be considered totally offensive tomorrow. I'm not going to have a bunch of snot-nosed little kids saying, you have to believe what I believe or I will block you. What I say is keep an open mind, listen to everybody, use your moral compass to apply to all situations. And if you don't know it all, because I certainly don't, I would not have known that I was drawing, I was uh, submitting prejudiced cartoons if the editor of The Truth hadn't told me because my, the people at the other papers were still drawing that way. Wow. Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of like uh, you learn as life goes. I mean. Well, yeah. what things are we doing nowadays with um, believing the right way, believing we're doing the right thing and hoping to do well and not harm anybody else? What things are we going to find out that we didn't think of today in 20 years' time. So what I'm saying is my film is going to offend this woke generation every which way. <laughs> but uh, I'm not out to offend them. I'm not out to offend them, but uh, I, I, I believe strongly in... Have you heard of the Wiccan uh, read? Do what thou wilt as long as it harm none. Mm. I believe in that. But what is harm? Harm is not, oh, I'm offended. Harm is that um, if I did something and uh, I injured you in some way, well, that's harm. Not, right. oh, oh, I'm offended. Oh, I'm jealous because he brought out a film. I didn't harm you. You're the one that's jealous. You know what I mean? I'm not going to buckle down to uh, the smart-ass culture of uh, kids that uh, weren't allowed to go out and play like the rest of us, didn't skin their knees. Didn't have right. to learn. Yeah. This uh, film harkens back to the 50s and 60s, and uh, I hope it is offensive. <laughs> if I could remember the quote, there was an ancient Greek that actually wrote about the younger generation, 
And everything he wrote, we were taught when we were in grade three at school, you know, about the younger generation. And the teacher said to me, this actually comes up every generation. By the time you're like three generations removed from the younger generation, you've changed so much that you are seeing them in the way I've just said. <laughs> right. yeah. But uh, no, we're, we've got the internet that amplifies things. When I was a kid, you might have had some smart-ass kid that was arrogant, but he was only known by a handful of smart-ass kids. Nowadays, the smart-ass kid can uh, get 50,000 people together to troll on the internet. <laughs> yeah, keyboard yes. warriors. Yeah, it's like putting a nuclear bomb in the hands of uh, of a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that is the truth. There's so many people out there that, uh, you know, they think they're they're bigger than life because they're behind a keyboard, but yet, you know, they won't say the things that they say in front of people, you know, in front of their face. Some will. Know? Some will. I've seen arrogant kids that have come up and they'll actually be rude to your face. When we were kids, you get hit for it. I don't agree with violence, but you know what? Violence is a part of human nature. Yeah, I don't agree with not using violence. Most of the people that say you should not use violence are the people that actually have got a lot of money, like the government, uh, the police force. So they're telling you don't use violence, but they use it. Um, every negative emotion we have exists for a reason. It's just the balance of how you use it. In other words, people say don't get angry. Yes, get angry. Just don't be angry all of the time. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. But if, if you don't express disdain and anger at some point, then you won't establish your boundaries. Yes, get jealous, but it's what you do with your jealousy. I can get jealous, and what I do is try to be better. In other words, one person gets jealous and they think, I'm going to slander that person. I'm going to undermine them. I'm going to destroy what they're doing. I look at something and go, oh, my God, that is amazing. This person is really skilled. I can now see that I could be so much better. Uh, wow. And so, yeah, I am jealous that they are that good. And But it's making me want to do a better job. Mm -hmm. All of our negativities. And that comes down to violence too. If you're being attacked and you do not lift a hand to defend yourself, which I'm not going to knock people for not doing it because there is a problem that some people can freeze up when the adrenaline goes and, and you're facing full-on rage. Not everybody can actually react. Um, but the point is, if you can and do, it does establish a boundary and the person who is attacking you realises there is a price for attacking you. You might not be able to beat them but they will pretty soon learn they don't like coming away with a blood nose and a ripped shirt. So they will stop right. attacking you eventually because they don't want to keep coming back with damage. They might not care about the damage they're doing to you. So, yes, there is a use for the violence. It's basically self-defence. <laughs> there's right. no other... There's really no other real excuse for uh, violence to defend yourself or your loved ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you... You know, most definitely, I mean, you have to have self-defense. Otherwise, you know, it just, it, it's its natural to to defend yourself. You know, if someone's going to attack you, I mean, 
oh, there's a lot of people that are pacifists that uh, will turn the other cheek. Now, I don't think that it worked that well for Gandhi. They always point out Gandhi where wave after wave after wave of people stood up to the British. And the British, uh, one wave after, it's really hard to watch the film Gandhi and, and see what they faced. But they were successful against the British at that point in time. Would that have worked in Nazi Germany? Would that have worked in Soviet uh, Russia? How many waves of people would have, I mean, for what was done to people in gulags and concentration camps, I really don't know if it would have worked, but I just don't believe it would have. Yeah, that, uh, that was just uh, very brutal to what happened to them. Yeah, passive resistance is also um, called for if you're going to get killed for resisting anyway. It's, yeah. just, it's a choice you make if there's no other choice. Anyway, we're getting into politics now and uh, <laughs> didn't mean to get into morality and politics. I was just pointing out that uh, this film is likely to offend the, uh, the sensitivities of today's new age woke culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But are many of them part of the um, scene that get into B-grade movies and cult movies? I mean, the B-grade movies and cult movies of the past are actually quite full-on offensive. And Troma loves offense. Right. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the, uh, I don't think the so-called snowflakes would be watching any trauma films <laughs> if they're easily offended by everything. Yeah. Uh, In the meantime, I won't miss a single trauma movie. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty good. Did you ever see uh, Poultry Geist? Poultry Geist I had trouble watching. And I'm going to watch it again, but I can't remember. I think um, it, it might have just, it was about the time that I had cancer. So I was very, very tired at the end of every day. And I was really um, excited that a friend had got me a copy of Poultry Guys, Night of the Chicken Dead. Mm -hmm. So I can't, I'll have to go back and watch that because I don't know if that was just me being constantly fatigued. I did go through a few years of it, but it was during that time um, that I, I couldn't get through it. Mm -hmm. Whereas Street yeah. Trash, I probably watched three times in a row. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and and that's another good example of uh, movies that are offensive, but they're entertaining. You know, if you can look past the offensive stuff, uh, you know, it's quite entertaining. Especially, you know, the special effects are are amazing, and uh, you know, the same with Poultry Guys. It's it's very offensive in. Uh, <laughs> You know, in, in its differences of, uh, of uh, you know, cultures and whatnot. But the the effects are amazing, and it's just, it's very entertaining. I'll definitely watch it again. Yeah. I, I'd only just remembered it again after all of these years. Well, thank you so much, David, for coming on the show. I, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about your new film. Well, that was episode 32, guys. I just want to say thank you all so much for listening. And I want to say thank you, David, for coming on the show. It was a blast, man. And uh, cannot wait to see what you guys come up with making toxic alien zombie base from outer space. Um, and good luck to uh, the rest of 
of uh, production and whatnot, and uh, just hope everything goes well for you guys. Um, that um, that about wraps it up for me, guys. Um, just want to say, check out Wake Brewing. They're a brewery in Rock Island, Illinois, in the Quad Cities area. They're the go-to bar to uh, kick back some craft beers. Uh, they got a, a, a terrific uh, lineup of merchandise that they have. You can get like patches, glassware, um, you know, t-shirts, hats, all that fun stuff. And uh, you know, especially if you're into like metal and uh, and horror, obviously, um, they are big supporters in, for the horror community. As uh, once COVID ends, they will kick back their um, horror trivia nights that uh, I will mention further in episodes like I do if, if you're an uh, uh, avid listener to this podcast I, I talk about them all the time but uh, they're terrific you know I love their craft beer and uh, I'm a big supporter of them guys also want to mention Paul Bear Press they're a clothing company that um mostly sticks to uh, the horror and cult um, type genre um, they, they got a sick line of uh, clothes, I usually get their long sleeves and their hats, I just think they're badass um, the newest one as, as far as um, current uh, to time of release of this episode, uh, I think they just dropped uh, the Maniac Cop collection and the uh, artwork looks sick for the shirts and uh, the long sleeves and uh, yeah with Paul Bear Press check them out at paulbearpress.com and uh, you know if uh, you know I'm, I'm assuming you're a fan of the horror genre if you're listening to this podcast so check them out I highly re- highly recommend checking them out if you haven't checked them out already um, want to mention <clears throat> Midwest Monster Fest is a horror and uh, pop culture convention that takes place in uh, Rock Island, not Rock Island, uh, Moline, Illinois, next year, next September, they will be back, and uh, the uh, guests that were supposed to show up this year, um, most of them are confirmed for for next year, so um, go to MidwestMonsterFest.com for more info on uh what what to look forward to next year and uh just want to say as always thank you evil dead beats for letting me use your beats they are sick and i hope you guys are enjoying them uh, i i dig them so um you know that's that <laughs> um you know i i will be playing a uh an episode, or not an episode, I'll be playing a, a song of his, um, once I get done talking here, um, but just want to mention, you can find him on Bandcamp, under the artist Evil Dead, check out his Beats from the Crypt albums, pick them up, support him, and, uh, you know, if, if you, uh, talk to him on social media, tell him to keep making more, because they're badass, uh, yeah, that uh, that's that. <laughs> um, 
next episode is going to be uh, an interview with um, director, actor, illustrator Matt Bush. We talk about the work that he's done in the horror genre and uh, what to expect from him next. So stay tuned for that episode next week and then followed by the supporter pick Pitch Black starring Vin Diesel. That'll be coming up. So uh, I'm about to uh, ride off into the sunset to this Evil Dead beat and uh, stay tuned for the next one. Please follow or subscribe if you dare.